Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello everyone, we're back with another episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business and today I have the pleasure of having with me Louise O'Reilly, an inclusion and diversity coach. So Louise, um, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I've been working a little bit with Louise um, to look at how my business can be more inclusive and diverse And this is something I feel very, very passionate about, but I'm sure I don't feel as passionate about it as Louise does. So Louise, uh, first, tell us a little bit about uh, your business and how long have you been doing what you're doing? And a bit about yourself as well. I think that's a really big, big part of what you do, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the invitation. I am so excited to be here talking with you and your listeners or viewers. would you mind if I do an acknowledgement of country? Uh, no, go ahead. Please, please, please. And, but ba- maybe explain what it is, because I think outside of Australia, it's a little bit maybe not as usual, although I wouldn't mm-hmm. know. But I, I know that in the UK, nobody would know what it is. So, Yes, yes, absolutely. So acknowledgement of country is a way of acknowledging the custodians of those particular lands that you're on, really acknowledging that there are certain people who have certain birth roles to care for those particular lands. And they are the First Nations people of all those different lands. It's their responsibility to care for the ecosystems. So uh, make sure it's thriving in those places. Uh, They are the land owners land caretakers they are the ones who look after the spirit of the land and the physical stuff part of the land to make sure the land's thriving and therefore that land can support us all as humans on this planet as well so in Australia this is something that in my Aboriginal culture it's something that we customarily do uh, and it's becoming more and more common in uh, the western culture of Australia to do it as well uh, and it's, it's a beautiful way of respecting that particular role um, of those people and those those custodians so I Louise O'Reilly of the Warua Noongar people would like to acknowledge the Wajak people of the Noongar nation as the traditional and ongoing custodians of the lands and waters on which I am on my family is on where we thrive my business is on and we create beautiful memories um, in this place so I thank them for that custodial role that they play here I also like to pay respects to the elders of this space um, and thank them for their community leadership their guidance their love and for the wisdom that they provide and give lovingly into the community because they are our wisdom holders. Um, I would also like to extend that acknowledgement out to all your listeners, the custodians and the places in which they are on, to you too, and on the place you're on, and extend a deep, deep, deep respects to the elders 
or whatever title they refer to themselves on those particular lands as well. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that. It's, it's so unbelievably important to me and I feel um, very deep, I guess, appreciation and gratitude to be, have the opportunity to be able to deliver that, that acknowledgement. Um, so for those of you listening, my name is Louise O'Reilly and I am an inclusion and diversity coach. It is something I'm really, really passionate about. Uh, exclusion has and racism and colorism and lots of different uh, biases based on physical traits is something that I have experienced throughout my entire life. Uh, and it is something that had been really quite traumatic to me, uh, starting from quite a young age, really seeing how the way people looked uh, determined how they were treated differently in our society. And it's something I picked up very early on. Also, this concept of identity was, I, I feel like it was kind of forced on me at a very early age to decide what my identity was in a space where I just was just me. I was just Louise. I was, and the fact that you had to put yourself into particular boxes was really so, quite confusing. Um, and having adults in particular push their own belief systems about what identity really means onto a young child was really actually quite traumatic for me. Um, in the spaces that I was in, I identify as Aboriginal and I have always identified as Aboriginal. However, I don't um, disown my Scandinavian heritage that I have, which is quite a large um, part of my heritage that I have or any other heritage that I have that make up me because it's all beautiful. However, the Aboriginal culture is something that absolutely sings to my heart and that's how I identify. I identify as black, so that's B-L-A-K, um, and although I have white skin, so it's not actually linked with colour, it's about your own spirituality and how you identify and how what kind of culture you connect to. Um, what I do in my business, having all that experience growing up and seeing the discrimination happening, seeing the segregation happening, seeing how people were... Um, treated differently because they wait the way they looked and me myself I felt like I didn't belong in any space because I identified as Aboriginal and I don't know where your listeners come from but racism is a very real and prevalent thing in Australia uh, and the constant messaging that Aboriginal people are bad, are wrong or, or painted with all these really quite negative traits across an entire community which is really logically impossible for everyone to have those exact same traits in a whole population of people um, it really made me feel like I was bad I was wrong I did not belong I was not welcome and I was not wanted uh, and so that inner dialogue really affected me to the point where I was contemplating my own existence in you know, in life and in, in, the, in the universe because this was my home. This, this is my birth country. This is, this is where my people are from, yet not welcomed. So it really made me look really deeply about this whole concept of being included. And 
valuing diversity and not just diversity in terms of let's tick off a box for quotas sake for businesses and things like that I mean real diversity where we can understand that people are different and all those differences are loved too Uh, and so I created this business it's been a long 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 time coming uh, but I help small business owners to understand how they as individuals and in their individual businesses that are so unbelievably unique to them and how they express themselves, how they can be more inclusive, um, be more accessible to wider groups of people and how they can support that equality and equity and creating that more inclusive world that they are drawn to, their soul draws them to want to want to create. That's kind of what I do. Wow, I'm blown away. I really am. I just want to take a pause just to, for our listeners to take that in. And I also want to thank you for coming to talk to us because I consider it a privilege, an absolute privilege. And I want to say, why? Hmm? I want to say one of the things that has drawn to me is that you have such a gentle and loving energy and you know and I'm making an assumption here so please stop me if I'm wrong but you know that the best way to approach people to make a change is to approach with that attitude of listening and respect even to those people who are not aware of how they create division, how they create exclusion. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are all products of what we have been brought up to believe and understand. We're very social beings. So we constantly are looking and seeking for belonging and wanting to belong to community. And so if you see everyone around you behaving in certain ways towards certain people, it really does stimulate something in your mind to go, if I don't behave in that same manner, in that same way, maybe I won't belong. Maybe I won't be accepted. And that's really quite a massive threat to a lot of people, especially people who have felt, um, you know, who do feel abandonment, who do really, rejection is really a big part of, of them and it's a big trauma for them. It can be really quite severe to even contemplate going against what the rest of the society or their community are doing. So it's, it's understanding, it's listening with a compassion because feeling distanced or divided or different from other people is actually a quite a trauma in itself. That's not something our soul naturally wants to do. So I feel if I can come into that space with compassion, that there is a reason you're doing the things you're doing. And I don't believe that anyone tries to hurt people intentionally. That um, That's certainly something that your soul doesn't want. So I come into it going, okay, let's listen to the stories that have brought you to this particular spot. And now let's try and really unpack 
what you've experienced. Let's look at why you're thinking the way you're thinking. Let's look at some of your biases. Let's explore your privilege so you can understand where you fit into this whole thing. And then we can look at why you're actually here. Why is inclusion diversity important to you? I mean, if you are listening to this right now, there's a reason you're listening to this right now. There is no coincidences in the universe. And this is something you're calling to yourself because it's something that you want to expand on within you. And um, really, it's, it's about psychology of it as well. If, if you're going and saying, well, if you're doing all these different things that um, aren't inclusive, and I'm going, well, that's bad and that's wrong and you should change your behaviour, automatically you're going to get, you know, your defense mechanism is going to jump into place and you're going to be going into the fight flight freeze or appease kind of situation you don't have the capacity for reasoning you don't have the capacity to really understand the words that I'm saying and the impacts that it's having in the world but also you're probably not inclined to continue a conversation with me because it's unpleasant if we can engage in really respectful conversations where, you know, we can actually walk away and not agree, that's okay to not agree with things. But I would like to think that when I have conversations and people listen to me, that they can go away and they can, they can contemplate those conversations and they can explore within themselves how they feel about each of those different topics. And then I would be open enough for them to come back and go, you know that conversation that you had the other day or we had the other day, can we just talk about that a little bit more because I've had time to think about it and I want to chat about this new concept that I've thought about. And that's, that's social movement in itself. That's how we're going to change the world with respectful conversations where we're both interested in listening to what the other is saying and not needing to feel like we need to win and not needing to feel like we need to convince anyone of anything. It's about the alignment that's going on within self. Does this feel aligned to me? If it doesn't, what's going on and how can I make it feel aligned to me? Wow. And I, I love the fact that it's about listening, active listening. And that's definitely yeah. not something that's been taught to us in school. I remember training no in listening skills because I wanted to be a counsellor. So I trained for a whole year just on the art of listening. And everybody had told me I was a good listener, but I wasn't. When I did this course, I realised absolutely not because I was listening with the intent to respond. So the whole time I was holding in my head, I want to say this and I want to say this and I want to say this, but I wasn't really listening. So I yeah. think... I think it's important that we plant the seeds in our, um, you know, audience about the, the magical power of deep listening. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have um, on Noongar country here, I was introduced to a new term a couple of years ago and one of the elders and it's called Dani. So it's your tongue is listening and it's where you are not interested in coming up with those responses or 
having a new statement to put out or finding the facts about anything. It's about actually deeply taking in the whole essence of what the person is and what the person is saying, taking it with and actually contemplating it before you respond to that thing. Because otherwise it's just like a brick wall and there's two brick walls talking to two brick walls. When we can evolve and grow together is when we can take on each other's and really respect each other's points of view uh, and experiences and our input and then critically think about it within ourselves. Does this align with me? How do I feel about this thing? And being open to changing your, your beliefs about those particular things and the way you're talking, being open to going, I don't have the answers to everything, but I'm doing and speaking my truth and my truth can change depending on the, the, the quality of the conversation that we're having. And it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change those things. Um, and that's also something we're taught in our society that, you know, once you say something, you can never change from that. And it's seen like, oh, well, you're just always changing your mind or you're flip-flopping, which is something we say in Australia. Um, and it's not at all. It's understanding that I now have new knowledge. I now have new wisdom that was shared with me and new experiences that were shared with me. And now I can make a better decision because I have greater capacity for making a better decision for myself and my own alignment with what is truth in these spaces. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is um, this is beautiful because it will help people who maybe have had very strong ideas about things, uh, allowing themselves to open their minds, and not feel that their ego is threatened by this um, this journey that they might go on. Because I I love that you yeah. say that you know inclusion and diversity requires us to have uncomfortable conversations. And we all know how much people avoid uncomfortable conversations in mm -hmm. all area of life, right? All areas, yeah. not just what we're talking about today. Yeah. And it's yeah. about having the and emotional intelligence to go in and say, how is this making mm -hmm. me feel? What are the thoughts that are coming up? And because you become more aware of the thoughts that are within you that have probably been planted by people who have raised you, people you've heard, you know, the things on the TV that go straight in when you're little, under seven, seven years old, everything goes mm -hmm. straight in. So you can be conditioned to be, um, you know, uh, racist. Absolutely. Actually, no child is born racist. I'm pretty sure that's a fact. Um, yeah. So, but then I, I love that you mentioned the fact that, yeah, but if I, if I depart, and that's what I've done because I come from actually a quite racist family on my mother's side and, and I've had to depart from them. Um, and now I'm not even in touch with them, which is a little bit sad, but um, there's also the physical distance because we're in different countries. So that makes it easier. Uh, and I might not be, a coincidence actually that I moved away from France because <laughs> it allowed me to rebirth myself and to be me. Um, but yes, it's important to have those conversations. Um, yeah, what I love with yourself oh, sorry, as well, ahead. and it's with yourself as well. But the thing is, what I really want to share with your, your audience is that 
we're not the saviors for anyone. We're not here to save anyone else. We're not here to do any of that kind of stuff. We are here to be ourselves in the full expression of ourselves. And we know within ourselves when something doesn't feel right. When you, you see racism playing out, when you see any kind of discrimination playing out and you feel uncomfortable about it, you know within yourself that doesn't align to you. So you don't have to have be going out and purposely having these uh, uncomfortable conversations with people because there are all types of leaders in the world. There are all types of leaderships and we can change and have social movements and innovate a more inclusive world um, in many different ways. And so it's important to understand who you are, how you identify, what your privilege is um, and how you, what your mission is, how you want to actually be showing up in the world. Because when you understand those concepts of yourself, you will know how you fit into the conversation or you will know how you fit into the movement and the creation of that more inclusive world. And sometimes it's big and loud and bold. Sometimes that's, that's what people are called to do. But other times it can, it can be soft and it can be gentle and it might be a process of being it could be a process how you influence and change the world is by you changing your particular behaviors changing the way you use your language or changing the um i don't know the businesses that you buy from or you decide to donate to certain charities that is social change in itself because if one single person decides that they are going to behave in a different way socially because of the belief that they want a more inclusive world and they are going to be the participant in that inclusive world that's social change right there just a single person it's the ripple effect isn't it and it all mm -hmm. starts within yes right? yes now absolutely I hope you're okay for me to mention something about um, racism in my family and intuition, because that's actually a very powerful story, but I want to hear your story as well. Um, and I'm sure you have many, but I hope you've thought of one within your business that you can share with us, because that's a little bit the theme of these interviews. But I remember as a child, whenever I heard something racist, it didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. And I just couldn't buy into it. It just couldn't. And, and I stood up. I remember having arguments arguments and arguments with my mum about her racism and her, whatever she was saying that I knew was trash. It was just complete trash. And, and I I'm feel grateful to that younger self for knowing and trusting her inner wisdom. Because a lot of of my cousins and you know relatives were conditioned into it but my intuition stopped me from being conditioned it never went it never went under my skin and i want to extend some compassion yeah. though for the people who have been conditioned because i just explored this week my human design and i knew i knew nothing about it it's very very but apparently there's something in my human design that protects me from being indoctrinated. And I was like, that wow. makes sense now. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
I came with equipped with this, yeah. but it also made me realize that some people might not have come equipped with this. And I think it's, it's yeah. expanded my compassion for them. Mm -hmm. Does that yep. make sense? Yep. Okay. Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. And it, it can be, it can be quite hard because whenever people are expressing they're being racist or they're, they're discriminating based on some kind of trait that a particular group has, there is anger there. There is fear there. There is, it's not good feelings. So they're expressing this uncomfortable, not good feelings of their self. That, that's a horrible space to be in. Whereas when you are loving and accepting of all people, of all shapes, colours, races, ethnicities, sizes, hair colours, whatever it is, when you just like, I'm a person and they are a person and I'm valuable and they're valuable and we're all loved and cherished and accepted, that's a great feeling. That's a great space to be in. And that's a beautiful energy to have. There is no threat that you can feel from that. We are just people and we are, we're essentially brothers, sisters, siblings on this planet. And we're all here to do what we're meant to do and express ourselves in our unique individual ways. And so there is such a power and a beauty in that. Um, in terms of the racism that I experienced, certainly racism um, was, there was quite a lot of racism in my family, uh, unfortunately, and it, it was really quite upsetting um, and hard to live with because I do know that my family loved me. Like people who did participate in that, they absolutely loved me and they loved my family, my siblings and things like that. Uh, but I also understood that they had no idea what they were actually doing. And I believe they believe they're good people and that their behaviours aren't actually causing harm. That, And it's, it, I guess they convince themselves that it's, it's, it's just a joke or it's, it's not a bad thing to do or it's, it's okay to behave in that way and there's just no understanding that it's, it's not. It doesn't excuse the behaviours that they do from a societal point of view but um, it does make it very difficult to try and navigate when you are in close relationships and you have that love, that deep care and love and connection with each other, but there is that discrimination that is happening, that racism that's happening, and even, as, even though it's not directly at you, it's at a group of people who you identify with, your own community that you identify, it can be really hard to handle and deal with. For sure. I remember one of my cousins telling me I'm not racist because she's she's married to a Vietnamese man. And I said that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't no. mean anything because she was she was very very racist, but she couldn't see it. She's completely blind, completely blind. I'm not yeah. racist because I have a black friend. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. No does not mean a single thing and people say you know I'm not racist my family comes in all colors or I'm not racist I have aboriginal children or I'm not racist 
no one outside of yourself is your hall pass ticket to racism or um, you being not being responsible for your words or your actions that you take. Uh, so I think really deep self-exploration around how you feel about these particular topics. And, and you can explore all the different types of discrimination. You can look at, you know, ableism, sexism, genderism, classism, colorism, you know, all the isms that there are. You can have a look and go, well, how do I actually feel about this thing? How would I feel about a person who is in that community approaching me or talking to me um, and just really explore how it sits in you? whether that would be a comfortable experience for you or not, and then going, well, why isn't it? Why isn't that the comfortable experience for me? Something that I talk to my clients about is quite often when we have uncomfortable experiences with people who um, look differently to us, so it's not necessarily you know who they are, but they, they just physically look differently and identify differently as up than us, sometimes that the uncomfortableness that they experience within their body is associated with fear and danger and caution. And I say to them that often that uncomfortableness is not to fear and be scared of or anything like that. It's actually the other end of the scale. It's the end of the scale where your soul is sad that you feel disconnected from that person. That's actually longing for connection. So it's uncomfortable because you aren't in alignment with the connection and love and respect and valuing of that other human being. So it's quite the opposite of fear. It's that there is not enough love in that space. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. Because your soul can see that your personality is not aligned with it. Mm -hmm. mm. We're getting into the um, whole spirituality thing here, aren't we? Yes, yes, and it is. It is. It's directly linked with you know energy. It's directly linked with intuition. It's directly connected with self, which. In, a, in essence, is your spirituality. Yourself is your spirituality. Absolutely. And listening to that intuition on what's going on can be a great teacher and leader for you. When you know you get that trigger, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't seem right. But sometimes that rightness, explore both the ends of the scale. Is it a fear thing or is it that there needs to be more love in this? Um, and it's all about the energetics. We're all just energy. We're all just energy. And knowing that and knowing that each of us actually contributes to our global consciousness, our own expansion of humanity and the universe, knowing that we're all actually part of the same team. We're all here living out our experiences so we can all benefit. I hope you don't mind me saying, but um, I've always said I'm a citizen of the world and I stick by it. Mm -hmm. And I've never really felt that much 
connection to being French, although I know this culture has influenced me a lot. But for me, it's always been my motto. I'm a citizen of the world. Don't try and pull me mm -hmm. into one or the other. But then at the same time, I can see that that's sort of the unifying aspect. So how do you allow the unifying aspect with also the very individual and diverse aspect? How yeah, do they that's a really play together? interesting question. Yeah, that is such an interesting question. I think it's really important to uh, understand how you identify because your identity is so critically important to how you do show up in the world, how you express yourself in the world and what you create in the world. So I think a good question to ask yourself is, around why you're you're doing that if that particular thing is actually stripping back of of other people or anything else or causing any kind of harm then you can reassess that or is the reason that you're doing that particular thing is because you actually feel genuine connection to all the people of the planet so it's it's like um asking are you doing it to to make a point or to prove something to others that you are a good human or that you're accepting, or are you doing it because that's actually how you identify and you feel that's important for you to identify as. I was only just on a call earlier of doing a coaching call for my members and I was saying the thing is borders and countries and all that kind of stuff is man-made. Because we were talking about, um, we're actually talking about uh, immigrants uh, and migrants and things like that. And we're actually one landmass. The whole world, we're just one landmass. We just happen to have deeper parts where water fills in. And we're living to these, these constructs. So being French is a construct. Being Australian is a construct. Even being Aboriginal is a construct. But what are constructs that we align with that are inclusive or supporting and growing us together as a humanity? And what are the constructs that are actually quite limiting to us and dividing us and separating us so that we're feeling disconnected from each other? Those ones that are quite limiting, can we drop them away? Can we allow them to, they have been, and can we now allow them to fall away and be part of our past experience and then move into more connected experiences and move into that future vision of what we actually want to be creating in the world? And this is what's really, really important for us to understand um, within ourselves is to have that vision of what we actually want to be creating in the future, what kind of world we want to be contributing to or we want to what we want to create because we each are the creators of that future vision. So if we don't like what we're experiencing right now but we're continuing to choose to live the same way and follow those same social constructs and live within those same limited um ideologies and ideologies and paradigms where we are being separated you're actually participating in its continuance so there is no side there's no sidelines to this we are each participants as individuals in this new creation 
Or do you want to dream up something, a world that's so beautiful where when you just think about it, it just lights you up where every single person is loved and accepted exactly how they are and you can wear what you want to wear and you can you can have your hair the way you want to wear your hair whatever it is will be accepted how you want to identify is okay um how you think how you process things is okay wouldn't that be such a wonderful world where you're not constantly putting on a mask and trying to perform for others and trying to conform to the way society is meant to, and it's in quotation mark, meant to be. We break down this privileged system and we don't have this concept of an ideal human anymore. It's just we're all ideal humans because we exist. And then if we can work to that and go, well, what can I do? What's one little thing I can do today to get towards that new vision? And then the next day, what's one little thing I can do today to get closer to that thing? And then we can be actively participating in the new creation of that beautiful world. Because there are so many people suffering and they want that new world. Too often we're looking backwards and going, look, look what has happened, look what has happened, look what has happened. And then the other side of the coin is look what's happening now, look what's happening now. But there are not enough people looking forward to going, well, what do we actually want to create? How are we innovating this? How are we taking and acknowledging what has been, what is, and then deciding to do it differently for the future? How are we being those leaders for future generations? How are we going to leave this world? How are we going to leave a legacy for our future generations? And how are we role modeling that critical thinking and connection to deep self and spirituality for them to create something even better than we created? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think I could talk to you for hours, right? And I'm not saying this because we're about to stop the podcast, but I think I could listen to you actually for hours, not talk, listen. I've been reflecting because I'm working with you on where all my motivation comes from around this whole inclusivity and diversity piece. And of course, it touches me deeply in places that are very personal to me. Um, but I'm hoping that is going to plant a seed for our audience uh, and that is going to give them permission to be completely themselves. I love that you talk about masks because from where I come from, I'm, I'm un unraveling my identity as an autistic woman and, and embracing it and owning it. And I had never even imagined how many ripple effects it would have in my own life, in my own identity, in how I feel and how I look at things and how, you know, even before I talked to you this morning, well, it's evening for you, I was researching um, top tips to network as an autistic person. And I didn't find anything that resonated with me. There is an, it was probably written by non-autistic people uh, and some of the stuff that was written just didn't 
didn't even spark me. It just meant nothing. Yeah. And of mm -hmm. course, that led me to think, because I, I actually woke up with an idea to write an article five days ago, my top tips for autistic people to network, business network. Yeah, yeah. And I was expecting to find that out there and it's not. So here go, here go. we go back to intuition. We go back also to deeply connecting. And I love the fact that you have a multiple heritage, but you've chosen to identify with a part of it. And I still stand by the fact that I say I'm a citizen of the world, because that's something that resonates deeply with me. And mm -hmm. it's not something that I want to placate on anyone else. As no. you said, I don't feel superior because of it. It's just who I am. And yes. it's something that was validated. I, I want to go back to you, though. So because you, you speak things, such wisdom that I want people to just listen to you. But if I can just mention one thing. <laughs> Which I just forgot. <laughs> no, what was I going to say? Uh, no, I'm not going to say it. it. It might come back later. But it's important to identify with this. Yeah, as you said, you, you were identifying with your Aborigine uh, heritage. And that's what matters. Nothing else matters. It's your choice that's at the center yeah. of what is going to happen yeah. from now on. <clears throat> and other people have to respect that. It's not their story, yeah. it's yours. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I'm not officially diagnosed as an autistic person, but it doesn't matter. Even though at the start yeah. of my journey of identifying, that was a biggie. I was like, how can I claim to be autistic if I don't have a, a stamp of approval from someone else? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And who created those, those checklists that find you in that group do they actually experience that themselves and this is one really really important thing to talk about but before I, I move on I do want to mention that um, we don't use Aborigine here anymore oh, that's, a, so that's an older term that can kind of okay. no it is fine and it's a beautiful opportunity for learning and it's uh, there's okay. a reason you said it um, that's like an older term that has been used to, to explain Aboriginal people, describe Aboriginal people, and we don't use that anymore. It's um, quite often seen as a little bit offensive to do it, and it's because it's linked with lots of old policies um, okay. that try to essentially wipe us all out, um, yeah, in genocide. But um, other than that, one really important thing to remember is the systems that we're currently experiencing in our societies, in our Western societies, who created all those systems? I doubt that anyone would have gone out and gone, okay, I'm going to find people who uh, belong to the autistic community and get them together and get them to tell us what it is it means to be defined as autistic and then do it that way. It's people looking who don't even belong to that particular group and what would it be, what would it be called? Um, observing, guessing what it, it means to be autistic, how it feels to be autistic, what that autistic person goes through or experiences. And it's the same thing with um, things like history, Whoever writes history are the people who are the most dominant culture. They are the, usually the victors. They're usually the colonizers of those spaces. So you don't ever know what the true history is 
because it's always written in a way to make it seem like those um, those victors are the good people and the other people are the other. The other people are the bad um, and that the people who went and colonised or went and um, took over a new place, they're the saviours and they were doing it for all good causes and they're going to save humanity or they're going to save these people and that's just not the case at all. It's every system that we're currently living in and this is like the policing system, this is our health system, this is even things down to our road system and our housing systems. They were created by people who are of massive privilege who get to decide how that system works for everyone else. People who are in marginalised communities usually aren't invited to the table to have the conversation, to actually speak from experience what are the best things for those groups of people? What are the, what are the solutions that they require? What is the, you know, the accessibility? What are the thoughts that they go through? What are the needs that they have? They're not, not even invited to the conversation. And that's part of the big problem because you have whole society with people who identify very, very differently, yet this whole, the whole community is built for a specific type of person in mind. And so a lot of people are falling through the cracks who are unsupported, who um, are essentially, you know, forgotten about and made to feel unwelcome, like they don't belong because they don't actually fit into the systems we create that have been created, but we can. And so if you have any form of influence you have any form of affluence, you essentially have a great responsibility, if you choose to, that is, great responsibility to start having the conversation, saying let's invite these people to have chats. Let's look at how we can innovate. Like innovation is a beautiful thing. We want to continuously evolve and grow and innovate everything we have to make better and better. But the, the people with the, who are closest to the solutions to all the social issues we have in our world are the people who have experienced it firsthand. They are the people who are the closest to those solutions. So for anyone who jumps in and goes, well, I'm just going to speak on behalf of these people without being part of that particular group, it's very foolish. <laughs> very foolish mm. you're so right and that's where systemic racism comes from <clears throat> right mm -hmm. and we're completely blind yep. to it we're blind systemic it's systemic oppression all round it's you know oppression of women oppression of people with color oppression of people with disability oppression of people with neurodivergence um it's it's all of those things because those communities aren't valued to the point where they're invited to the table and their input is valued enough to be part of the entire process from the very 
starting the conception of the ideas of our systems we have in place all the way through to the completion. Yeah, I have um, two wonderful friends who have helped me on this journey tremendously. And um, one of them is, is a prominent, um, I'd say, thinker in terms of, of the rights of minorities. And she, um, she had been recruited, and I'm not going to give any names because that's not important, by a big organization here in the UK to look at these aspects. And yet the whole committee was white and she wasn't given much of a, uh, you know, everything that she suggested was discarded. And the, ultimately yeah. it was a white person that was making the decision. So the whole inclusivity yeah. exercise was, you know, one of those paper ticking box kind of thing. Yeah. It's a tokenistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's she was telling me the fact that you're here means that we're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she, she opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, health, people are not treated the same by doctors and by the system, yeah. depending on their skin color. And that just like, yeah. they're not even given the same amount of painkillers. Like it, this, it just, it blows your mind when you start opening your eyes. It's a bit like the pill in, in the matrix. You can't go back, right? <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> and it astounds you. And I've had my share as well of exploring the mental health arena. And I just cannot look at it the same way either. Uh, and the discrimination is just, I wouldn't say mind-blowing, but mind-blowing for me is more of a positive thing. Whereas <laughs> what I've seen is, is, is just horrendous horrendous yeah yeah and of course Absolutely. there's more it's marginalized like, people it's, that it's like have a whole to do awakening yeah it's so, like a whole new awakening where it's like it, there's a social awakening where you start to see beyond what you've seen before you start to recognize different cues and different treatments of different people because of the way they look or how they identify. And it's one of, it's absolutely, once your eyes are open to it, you can't not see it anymore. And you probably will see more and more of it. And, you know, the fact that you do see it, it's probably an indication from your intuition that you're ready to see it. And you're ready to start making those decisions and doing that soul searching yourself and doing the listening, doing the listening to those marginalized groups about the experiences that they've had that they're going through really deeply listening and then asking yourself okay from what they have said and what they have asked of me what can I now do what do I have the capacity to do how can I alter or change my behavior or how can I bring up the conversation or influence the concept of inclusion and diversity in these new spaces so I'd like to deepen our conversation about what deep listening is about to help our privileged friends listening. Uh, because you said, what can I do? And I feel that immediately for me is, I need to ask marginalized groups, what can we do? What do they want us to do? Not what I can do, mm -hmm. what I think should be done. Does that 
yeah it's an important one isn't yes. it yes it's it's vital uh to being an ally or um i, I often say an associate because ally it implies that there is some kind of war or fight and there's not it's just people being people and so if we can be associates and work together on these things it's very important to listen so the very first thing you can do is just have a look at you know what's the type of content that you're consuming who are the people that you're listening to are they diverse do they belong to you know marginalized groups and just start seeking out people who are in marginalized groups have the same value systems as you and actually listen to them. What are they saying? What are they saying? The experiences that they've got, um, what they're going through and listen to what they require of, of allies or associates to do, of supporters to do. Um, and because like I said, they are the ones closest to the problems so they're the ones closest to the solutions. We're not saviors and we can't guess what is the best thing to do in those situations. They can feel it and know it with all the complexities that make up them and all the complexities and how they fit into the society. Like I said, it's quite foolish to presume that you have the answers if you don't, you've never experienced those particular things. The, a smart person knows when to listen. A smart person knows when they are not the expert in their field and they can listen to the expert and decide within themselves whether they're going to take those actions or not, whether they actually align with that person. And also understanding that in any marginalised group, there is going to be a difference of opinions there's going to be some people that are far on this side and then other people are going to be far on the other side and they don't agree. And that's okay to not agree. We're all individuals in every single group and we, have our, we bring out our own experiences, our own belief system, systems, our own values and what we want to be creating in the world. We bring all of us to those things. But if you can find people who are or belong to marginalised groups who align with your, your type of energy, you feel like you connect with them. Just sit and listen to them and really, really soak in the essence of who they are and what they want to bring about in the world and become, you know, become a team with them. Become a team and create this new, beautiful, inclusive world alongside them or behind them. Mm. Both is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so what would be your top three tips, if you have any, for someone who wants to start the journey of making their businesses more inclusive? Hmm. Okay. The very first thing I think is really important um, and I've only really just started concreting it in this week actually is that there needs to be a commitment to self to doing the work on themselves to really uncovering what their own biases are looking at what their privilege is looking at the types of culture that they exist in 
um, in their society because even among different towns in the same country, there's different cultures in those different things. So actually really having a deep understanding of that, having a look at your own heritage and how you identify, uh, having a look at your own value system and what's really, really important to you as a person. And then after that commitment, so that would be number one, to really look at self, really, really understand self. And also part of that is what do you actually want to be creating in the world? What vision do you have for the, for the future? What vision of an inclusive world do you want to be creating? Having that and holding that. The next thing I would suggest is really searching out and seeking people in those marginalised groups to deeply listen to listen to them, follow them, um, absorb their content, listen to their experiences, listen to their potential solutions to problems. So it's self, it's then it's listening, and then it would be taking action, really committing to taking some form of action uh, in your business or within yourself, you know, it might be I'm committing to no longer using this form of language or this type of language. And it might be like gendered language. So I'm not, I'm going to do my best to use non-gendered language when I address people. Okay, this, now I'm going to um, make sure I'm supporting some of the disability community. So I'm going to add captions to my videos or transcriptions. Um, I'm going to increase the size of the letters on things or have that, that, um, that function where they can have more like that. I'm going to look at my building spaces. Can a wheelchair fit into these spaces? Um, am I, where am I actually advertising? Am I just advertising to spaces where people will look like me or am I actually going into spaces and giving opportunity for people to work with me and accept my goods and services because they need what I have, but I'm not actually present in those communities. Looking at those kinds of things. So it's just about the, and it's little actions. It doesn't have to be big actions. In business, there's lots of stuff to do. So if you can just do one baby step at a time, that's already improvement. That's already becoming more inclusive. Um, and with that, I would say be very mindful not to position yourself as an expert. Just allow yourself to go along the journey and be a student along that journey. And it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get things wrong. If you have a beautiful intention of being inclusive and accepting and loving of other people, and you know how to apologize effectively from your heart, like meaningfully apologize when you do make mistakes and commit to altering your behavior. That's not much more we can ask, really, is there? Without the action, and this is the, and that's the part that people get stuck on, without the action, there is no change. The intention and the energy of it doesn't change it alone. That's why we are the creators. We bring it, we create it in the energy. We create it with our visions. But we also have everything that we have to make sure it transitions into the 3D physical world as well. Absolutely. Now, I'd like 
you to tell our audience where they can find you, but specifically if they were interested to join your membership, uh, you know, how can they join? Oh, that is a good question. I don't even know the link to that one. Um, but you, you can, can find me on... I'll add it to the notes, yeah? We'll, we'll do that. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so you, your audience can find me at louiseoreilly.com.au. That's where you'll find all my stuff. Um, I do have a membership, as Angie's suggested. It's, it is a very high-touch membership where every single week we are working on something. Although, um, and, and Ange could probably let you know, I, I hope it's not overwhelming. There's not lots and lots and lots of information and there's not lots of pressure to do lots of things. It's about the baby steps and really understanding who you are and who your business is and really working out how I can take the actions to express that in the real world. And it is very, very, very much about aligning to self. I absolutely love your, your membership. I would highly recommend it to anyone who wants to start on this journey. I find it a very nurturing space, a very supportive space. Um, and I mean, just like, I'm sure people listening to this episode will know the true you from your wisdom. You, you like, you pour wisdom out of you, like, like a fountain, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> It's just, I, I could listen to you for it's hours, the intuition. as I said. Intuition. It's the intuition. It, the, the energy, the intuition, the connection to the universe, connection to my ancestors, connection to the land and the nature and the environment is integral to, to what I do. And I do a lot of these um, interviews and they're completely unscripted. And I often come in, I don't even know what the questions are that are asked because I know that I'm completely wholly supported by the universe. And whatever is needed to be said in those moments will come to me and will be delivered to me to share. And quite often, some of those things seem so unusual to bring up but I get prompted to talk about unusual things sometimes. And later on, I find out it's the perfect thing that was said. It actually deeply resonates with the particular audience or um, they had just yeah. had a conversation about it earlier. So it made sense. So sometimes when I, when I do, especially with my coaching, I will say something and go, you know, I'm being prompted to say something about this particular thing. I don't even know what it's linked with, but I'll tell you about it. And um, it's, it's just been, it's a pillar. It's absolutely a major foundational pillar in my business is my intuition. Mm. One more thing before we say goodbye to our audience. Um, you highlighted sure. the words Aborigine as something offensive. So what mm -hmm. word would you prefer us to use? Um, so this is probably going to be a constantly evolving thing. Nothing is ever fixed in terms of language. When language, when language is fixed, that's when the language is dead. So at the moment, uh, the preference is for, there are a couple of preferences. So First Nations is a preference. Aboriginal is a preference. Um, but one thing that the different countries in, and so for for those unfamiliar with Aboriginal people and culture in Australia, we actually have 
many, many countries in Australia. And it's not recognised in the Western system or in the Western map, but we have hundreds of countries. And the way that most people like to be identified is actually by their country. So my countries are Warawa country and Noongar country. Um, and in Noongar country, so that's a whole nation in itself, I, um, I belong to the Baladong people of the Noongar nation. So they like it that way as well. But like I said, it does change. The best thing you can do is actually talk to the people and ask them, how do you prefer to, be, to identify what works for you? Because it can be different for all different people. And I by no means speak on behalf of Aboriginal people at all. I speak on behalf of myself um, and I am sharing observations I've had in the community around these particular conversations. Okay. Thank you so much, Louise. It's been a pleasure for me and if and I'm sure for our listeners too. Um, and I want to thank the listeners if they've got to the end of this conversation. I'm sure they have. It's so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll see you, um, everyone, next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.